Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Good afternoon to you. A warm welcome from all of us here at AusBiz. This is the call on this Friday afternoon, the 10th of December. Ten stocks picked by you, two expert guests, all in the course of an hour. I'm Nadine Blaney. So it is going to be a good one. We will introduce you to our two experts here. Mark Gardner is joining us from Macro Capital live in studio. Hey, Mark. Hi, how are good you? Good afternoon to you. You've just missed the Sydney storm. We could not uh, see the sun for much longer than no, you know, a couple hours, no, right? No, it's been a horrible couple of weeks, absolutely. <laughs> so nearly got blown away on the way on the walk down here. So. Yeah, well, the market's getting a bit blown around today as well. Uh, look, I don't want to dwell on it, but CSL's doing its bit of damage down by 2%. The banks and financials looking weak, as are most of the miners. Big tech, energy, you name it. So it's that kind of a Friday. It is that kind of a Friday. I suppose a bit of risk off coming into CPI tonight. So, um, and look, it's been a pretty volatile period for the last few weeks. So I think uh, with that sort of relief rally over the mid middle part of the week, you know, probably taking some risk off just in case there's some sort of Omicron announcement over the weekend or some further lockdowns. Um, I suppose people are just taking a little bit of money off the table. Bitcoin crash, you never know. All right, let's welcome <laughs> our next guest, Luke Winchester from Meriwether Capital. Luke, welcome. I don't know what the weather's like up there where you are, but as far as how small caps, your portfolio has performed this week because it was uh, to, um, you know, it was a bit volatile. I mean, to the upside still, but, you know, it looks as if this will be a down day to end the week. Mm. Uh, first of all, Nadine, the weather's no better here. We we haven't had a summer day yet. It's terrible. Um, small caps, micro caps, it's it's always volatile. Now, of course, with periods where the, the wider market is is volatile itself, it's only exacerbated down down my end. But you're right. It's been it's been both ways. I've I've seen stocks that have been hit quite hard, and then um, others bounce back. And it's it's very much um, when liquidity dries up in in the smaller micro caps, it's it's whether buyers or sellers are in control at that moment because um, you know there's often just not, not enough liquidity on the other side to, um, you know, to, to stop the volatility of the share prices moving. So, um, yeah, look, I think I think Mark's right. Um, it feels like a bit of a risk off Friday. People not wanting to hold stocks into the weekend with whatever news might come out uh, around uh, COVID, Bitcoin, US, um, all sorts of economic data. So I think we've seen that the last few Fridays actually been a little bit weaker. So it's, it's interesting to see that trend has continued. All right. I will say, though, I'm just waiting for my screen to get up, that week to date, the local market still is in positive territory to the tune of about one and a half percent. So let's stick with that uh, optimistic view and get into the stock of the day. Now, in response to some demand out there, what I've done differently is we're going to have a buy of the day from both of our expert guests. And I'm going to ask when they would look to potentially exit their position. Now, Mark is buying Grange Resources. GRR is the ticker code. And Mark, boy, timing's been good. Yeah, look, when I, I obviously to give the viewers some context, I sent this through yesterday. It was trading around about the 62 mark. Um, 
Look, had a stop, had a stop around you know the mid fifties um, with the price initial first price target around the seventy four mark. It, it uh, had a good announcement this morning, announcing a special dividend of ten cents per share. So, at that sixty one price or sixty two price, it, was, it roughly works out to be um, including franking credits twenty four percent. So they're going to pay that on the fifteenth. So obviously the stocks rallied today, it got up to seventy three and a half, which was just shy of the first price target. Um, but at this stage, I probably would revert to. Um, you know, running a tra- my second price target was running a trailing stop on this. Um, it's a really good, high quality company. It does uh, con- iron ore concentrate and pellets. It's got a, a project in um, Tasmania and interested in a project in Western Australia as well. So, but they have been sitting on this this mountain of cash for a company that was a seven hundred million market cap. Uh, it had about five hundred and fifty million in cash, um, and shareholders had complained in the past. Well, when is this going to be returned? They haven't had a great history of returning that capital back to the shareholders. Uh, and then out of the, well, out of the blue today, they've decided to, um, to give that special dividend. That's in, in addition to um, another two cent dividend. So that brings it to four for the year. Um, but look, it, it rallied, as I said, it rallied up to about 73 mm-hmm. and a half this morning. Uh, I think it's around the 70 mark. Um, that, that cash base was really undervalued. So look, I'm, to be honest, I'm still happy to buy it here um, anywhere around the 70 mark. Um, and just probably, uh, particularly, you know, for super accounts and et cetera, the franking credits might be mm-hmm. might be very attractive because uh, it's about 8% in, in franking credits alone uh, if you can take advantage of that. So they're, they're huge dividends. So look, it's still probably relatively cheap here um, because of that, that wasn't, it was trading below par value. Um, based on you know not having that great history of, of delivering that that money back, so I yeah I'm I'm still happy to uh, to run with that and probably just around about a, you know an eight to ten cent um, mm-hmm. like trailing stop on that and just see how it goes. Got it. Thank you. Um, it's a buy. Grange Resources G R R. Let's get to the second buy of the day, and it's coming from Luke. You've put forward XREF XF one. Why? And uh, how would you look to play this in terms of strategy? Yeah, well, unfortunately, you know, mine hasn't done quite as good as Grange, Nadine. <laughs> I did see that this morning. I couldn't believe it. Um, <laughs> yeah, XREF, look, um, I, you know, I'll, I'll put my money where my mouth is here, here. I own it with Meriwether Capital. It's one of our larger positions, and I've actually recently been buying it. So I thought it ticks that box as it's, it's genuinely a buy for me um, on that basis. Um, so these guys do a reference checking um, software platform. It's it's quite a simple piece of software. I've sort of described it to, to people in the past, but... Um, you know, uh, got good scale with that platform, some real good blue chip clients, um, and have seen some real explosive growth coming out of COVID. Um, and they're a real beneficiary of this great resignation or, or whatever sort of uh, name you, you want to put around that theme of people moving jobs because um, they charge on a, on a credit per credit basis for, for every customer who, um, you know, has a new applicant that needs to have their referees checked um, would, would pay a fee to XREF to, to utilize the platform. So got the chart up there. It's performed quite well over the year. Um, but to me, the chart is still underperforming, I think, the the um, fundamental turnaround the business has had. So it's swung from um, losing about 4 to $5 million a year to now being well and truly cash flow positive. Um, on my numbers, I think they could do anywhere from 6 to $8 million operating cash this year. Um, from a from a net profit level, because revenue actually lags their cash collections, they'll probably do about four, maybe five mil net profit um, on 110 mil market cap software, growing 100% a year, very scalable, um, founder uh, founder led business. It ticks a lot of boxes that I look for, and that's uh, 
main reason why I've got it as a buy and why I've recently been buying it myself. And now it's it got up to around 74, pretty close to that a little bit earlier, sitting at about 60 cents right now. So if it does achieve the milestones that you expect it to and it gets up to, I mean, do you have a price target? I'm just strategically curious as to how you play your buys. Yeah, it's interesting. And you've got Mark and I as probably two um, mm. different you know, uh, philosophies on the market. For me, I don't try to think in that sort of um, uh, you know price target and, and stop loss sort of mentality it's, it's more what's the underlying business doing so from that point of view I'm looking um, this business still reports quarterly so they'll have their next quarterly report most likely early to mid-January um, that's you know the first um, uh, report I'll get of, of, of that fundamental health and is that continuing to do what I'm expecting and so for me as long as that business is executing to how I expect it to that growth still there it's still um, you know uh, cash flow positive or at least um, you know on the on that that right path um, you know I'll continue to hold the business for some people if you're new to the story you know you can sort of scale into a position as it executes over time uh, but for me you know these are the sorts of businesses that, that you have to be able to let them run it's probably a little bit different to Grange in that way Grange mm -hmm. is you know a resources business constrained by its its you know mines essentially whereas this is a scalable tech platform if these guys can execute it could be multiples larger so I wouldn't constrain yourself to a price target. I just keep watching the business, make sure it executes every time they report and communicate with the market. Thank you. So two buys today to get us going on this Friday. You're welcome. Uh, Grange Resources and XREF, XF1 is a ticker code there. So the guys are ready to answer your questions. And the first stock picked by you, ReadyTech for Holly. So I'll start with you, Luke, now that you're all warmed up. What do you think about ReadyTech RDY? Yeah, look, in a, in a former life, I, I ran a mid-cap portfolio and, and um, I, I took a call with the ReadyTech CEO a few times and, and had it pitched to me by a few people and never bought the stock and it's done, it's done quite well. So I am familiar with it. What kept me away back then was it, it had some orange flags that you, you see sometimes pop up, which is it floated out of private equity. And it's a bit, uh, it, it, it's a disparate sort of amalgamation of a few different software packages. They've got some um, uh, some software that applies to sort of tertiary education around student management. They've got some software that um, does sort of accounting, payroll, human resources for small, medium businesses. And they've acquired a third business since listing, which is in the government um, sort of um, documentation mm -hmm. space. So, you know, despite being three decent pieces of software, there's no real synergies between the three. So that sort of, you know, I, I sort of question that strategy of just having that, that roll up. Um, but nonetheless, management have executed well. And, and, and there you go, you've just flashed the chart up. It's done, it's done exceptionally well, um, you know, since it's listed. Um, and so full credit to management for maximizing, you know, each of those three segments, because often what you see is that when one or two segments are performing well, there's usually, you know, one that's performing poorly, that takes up more time and effort and, and, and the business isn't able to really grow and execute as a whole. So um, looking at their guidance and, and, and sort of doing some back of the back of the envelope numbers about 17 to 18 times earnings, um, mm -hmm. the note I've got is, is just bear in mind they use um, EBITDA as their you know preferred reporting metric of profitability, but it's also a business that capitalizes their R&D. So you need to be careful because if they capitalize their R&D at the front end and then exclude the depreciation and amortization of that R&D, it effectively means you're taking away your R&D costs out of you know your what you're reporting as profitability. So okay. 
adding that out for me, I think they're about 30 times earnings with mid-teens growth. That's okay. And, and you know, I think for a tech business, that's it's probably fair. Management have got some long-term targets to really grow that revenue and basically keep that um, about mid-teens growth throughout to, to FY26. If they can do that, you'll do really well. Um, it's, it's probably fair for me today. I, I wouldn't say it's a screaming buy. It's definitely a hold, though, if you're already in it. Um, and, and put it on your watch list otherwise because it's one to look at for a pullback. Thank you. What do you think about ReadyTech, Mark? Yeah, look, we like the stock. Um, we actually recommended this one early this year uh, around the $2 mark. Um, they had a good announcement, I think, around about March, um, April, um, the acquisition of that open office. So uh, they've actually, uh, and I'll, I'll agree with Luke here, the um, management's done a really good job. So they, they've actually gone, um, it's been EPS accredited pretty much um, like ahead of schedule so far. So look, they've made another recent smaller acquisition as well. So. Look, management's ability to deliver has um, has sort of been proven. Um, they yeah, they do have a high um, sort of PE, but their uh, total revenue CAGR is running at about twenty percent at the moment, so sort of justifies that. It's, it's sector PEs, you know, around forty eight. So if you sort of factor that in, it, it's it's doing quite well. Um, the risk to the stock is, um, as Luke pointed out, is um, these mid teen uh, targets. Uh, if they don't hit those. Um, Given we are, um, you know, the market's broadly expecting them to achieve to achieve those targets. Uh, if they don't get get that uh, delivered, um, then look, there might be a bit of a pullback. Um, technically, they're in a nice little uptrend as well. Um, there's been recently there's been a bit of a pullback. So um, look at our, on on our scoring system, we have a scoring system out of ten at macro. It's um, I think it's a seven point four, which is quite high generally. So I think the highest one we've got is currently is about eight point five. So so. Really high quality business, so yeah, we're we're happy to buy back in here at the moment, um, and yeah, and look, I think uh, if they deliver on those targets, um, some middle of next year, then then I think we'll we'll see the stock go higher. Okay, that's already in the Osbiz portfolio, so that will remain there because mm-hmm. it's a buy and a hold. No need to take it out of the portfolio. Let's get to the next company on the list, which is Tab Corp Holdings T A H for Christy. I don't have any context around this, Mark. I'll start with you. Um, but look, it's got uh, September quarter revenue down about 7.3%, mm. I think, because of lockdowns and JobKeeper was taken away. But what do you think about the valuation? It's not looking extremely expensive. It's not looking massively expensive, no. Look, it's, it's not at these levels, I'm, I'm, I'm reluctant to call it a buy, probably just a hold at this stage. Um, Particularly those gambling and wagering stocks have taken quite a beating recently. You know, points bet and um, and bet makers particularly have been have been hit pretty hard. Um, I think uh, that side of their business, I mean, there's such huge competition and low barrier to entry now. I think there's 75 gambling and wagering uh, online companies in Australia mm-hmm. now. So um, I think Melbourne Cup Day, before I got to work on the bus and listening to the radio or whatever, it was there was 20 or 30 ads from eight different providers. So it's yeah. a hugely saturated space and hugely competitive. But look, their lottery business is what everyone's really looking out for. Um, and look, things like Kino as well, we're coming out of lockdown, um, that sort of stuff will go relatively well. The, the value is really in that lottery business. Um, if you just take out the wagering completely altogether. Look, we've got a macro score at about around about the 5.8 mark. So it's still very favourable. Um, and it's definitely, I think, you know, mildly undervalued, but I, I just, at this stage, I'd probably just call it a hold. Thank you. What about you when it comes to Tabcorp Holdings, Luke Winchester? 
Yeah, I, I agree with Mark. I think anyone holding this business is doing for the lottery is doing so for the lotteries and kino segment. Um, it's it's a classic, you know, good segment, bad segment for for, for Tabcorp lotteries and kino. It's a monopoly. It's capital light. It's got some great tailwinds as they pivot more of the distribution to their online digital channels rather than through news agencies. Um, all the things you you look for in, in in the hallmarks of a great business, and so people are waiting for that that demerger and 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 certainly want to get their hands on the lotteries and kino business. And Mark's spot on. I mean, my comments on the on the wagering and meter, I jotted down. It's it's a commodity business. It's highly competitive. It's the exact opposite of a business you want to own. Um, you know, there, there's no shortage of competitors. It's it's incredibly easy now for these businesses to start an, an online um, bookmaker. You use um, third party tools um, to to completely create it from scratch, and and then you just um, spend some money on marketing, essentially, which is is what Mark was was talking about there. So, look, I. I think it's it's a hold as well. I agree with that, um, and, and you're doing so to get your hands on the lotteries and kino business. So, you know, it's probably strategic from that point of view. I, I didn't spend a great deal of time to look mm-hmm. at how that spin-off will occur or the timeline. I think it's still a, a fair way away, um, and and you know the exact split for for Tadcourt shareholders. I'm not sure, but. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think lotteries and kinos will do quite well upon that demerger and your best chance to get a, a good allocation up front is to hold Tabcorp, I think you continue to hold it. For, for new people today, I mean, do that work around whether you want to own lotteries and, and kino or not. But um, I think for the purpose of the day, I would say a hold. Thank you. Now get to the next one on the list for Drew. It's Linus, LYC, Rare Earths. Lots of talk around Rare Earths. Um, very, very big demand. You've got uh, strategic you know, you've got strategic, I guess, um, sources, sourcing for the rare earths and a bit of price momentum behind it as well. Is that enough to get you interested in Linus, Luke? Um, I don't know much about Linus, I must admit, Nadine. Um, I, I looked at it obviously for the purposes of the program for Drew. Um, it, it looks optically expensive, but you're right. I mean, you know, I, I am familiar with Linus and, and, and that the, the, the reasoning behind the, the business of where it's going is, is to try and shift away the global reliance on China for, for rare earths. And, and Linus offers, you know, investors an exposure to, to that theme, I suppose, of, of moving away from the reliance on China. Um, currently just got two sites operating. It will be four, but obviously requires execution. I think a lot of that's baked into the share price. They've, they've had a record FY21 and, and still, despite being a record result, still trades on 50 times earnings. So a lot of future potential is baked into the share price today. Um, look, I, I don't, like I said, I don't know enough about the stock on, on mm-hmm. a short look to tell someone whether they should, should buy or sell it. Um, so I'll, I'll, I will say a hold, but you know, a chart like that, I think if you do hold it, you'd, you'd take a close look at, um, you know, your, your thesis for owning the business because, um, you know, it, it's very rare for a chart like that to continue, um, you know, into the very long term. So at some point it will probably mm-hmm. underperform the wider market. When that will be, short term or not, I'm not sure. What do you think uh, if you look at it, Linus, Mark? Yeah, look, I, I, I broadly agree with Luke there. Um, look, I, I run the active division for macro. So, for clients on a short-term basis, I'd definitely be trimming or selling out here looking for a pullback. Um, it's on a massive run. I think there's a fair bit of hot money in the, in the stock at the moment. Um, the sentiment's overwhelmingly positive, uh, just on the back of the, uh, the, obviously, the EV thematic and then the strategic um, mm-hmm. strategic sourcing um, thematic as well. So, But look, it, it's, it's a huge run up here recently. Um, I'd be looking, I'd be more interested below $8 uh, and, and look, the, the, the severity of the angle of that up move um, in recent time 
is um, you know you know generally on in, in technicals is going to be a bit of a pull. There's going to be a bit of a pullback at some stage. Uh, interestingly, though, the, um, the post their their quarterly uh, production updates, mm-hmm. uh, the last three out of the four um, were the, the stock dropped ten percent mm-hmm. on the day. So maybe that's a that's a time when you can possibly look to um, to to try and enter this stock. Um, it's uh, obviously that's you know when the real numbers come out. It's when the you know the fundamental the fundamental traders will be we're getting involved as opposed to um, more the the thematic and hot um, you know yeah. hot money. So this the you know but the the electric vehicle thematic is still super strong. I think Tesla outsold Toyota in Germany mm-hmm. for the first time ever this month, um, and they're now about three percent of the market. So I, I really think that that. It's going to give it a nice, um, you know, uh, fundamental underpinning overall, but it, it's way too expensive for me here at the moment. So, so yeah. we're saying it's a sell if you are short-term investor. Uh, short-term investor, I'd be, I'd be definitely trimming out of at least half and looking for a pullback. Um, look for a long-term investor. If it, you know, it, it's probably a hold, I suppose, but you'd probably be prepared for some. Some short-term immediate uh, potential pain. Got it. Thank you. All right, let's get to Westpac. I'll start with you, Mark. Westpac, I don't think I need to explain what it does. No. But we could maybe talk about what will happen in a rising interest rate environment to the banks. I I think it's evenly split when I speak with people as to whether they see more potential in the big banks going forward or not. Yeah, look, uh, in, the, in, in regards to the big four, personally, I'm just a flat out avoid, generally. Um, Macquarie's by far my, well, our favourite in this space. Um, Macquarie's a little bit expensive at the moment. Um, I think with, finan- look, financials overall should go relatively well in a rising interest rate environment. Um, the big four generally have, they're, they're mortgage brokers mm-hmm. as their core business. Um, I think they're, they're going to have caps growth upside with APRA stepping in and, and setting you know, tighter leveraging limits and things like that. And they've, there's just a, a massive amount of um, startup fintechs coming in, just taking small, you know, small nibbles out of just so many like, sections of their business as well. Mm-hmm. So look, looking at it on a chart, it, normally I'd be thinking you know, it, it actually looks... You know, Relatively cheap, but it, I mean, look, it's below the 200-day moving average as well. I think overall, something like BNKS ETF, it's going to be the international banks there, which are going to take advantage of the absolute the record boom in merger and acquisition um, volume that's going through at the moment. Um, would be possibly a better option, or um, instances like Monday this week, Macquarie Bank pulled back to just below 190. Uh, I'd just be dollar averaging mm-hmm. that instead. I, I switched my clients out of this six months ago into Macquarie. We, we are not at any stage have we regretted it. Good. Thank you. Luke, what about you for Westpac? I know it's not necessarily a business that interests you uh, at first glance, you know, for, for your fund, but it's for Chrissy. And so the question, would you be buying, holding or selling? Yeah, just slightly outside of my market cap range, Nadine, yeah. uh, Westpac. <laughs> look, the big four banks, they, they come up every now, every now and then on the call. And, and, and every time I look, I just I can't find reasons to get excited at all. Like um, around the operations of the business, Mark's right. They've spun off everything. There's no wealth management. There's no insurance. Um, they've, they've really taken a step back out of autos, business, personal lending. They, they're basically just mortgage books. And, and that's been fine. You know, we've had obviously, everyone knows the boom we've had in Australian property property not just over the last year but but you know last few decades um, but but you know the, the the early signs is that is that is cooling off and, and a raising a rising interest rate environment you touched on it there Nadine is, is both a blessing and a curse for these guys because 
theoretically a rising interest rate environment is good for banks who, who should be able to um, you know capture more of that net interest margin and, and expand that profitability but uh, these guys so heavily tied to a, an over leveraged Aussie housing market a rising interest rate environment could be very painful for them if we saw a sharp slide in, um, in, in house prices now you know I'm not going to sit here and comment on, on where house prices will go but it's it's worth keeping in mind I don't think the banks capture the full upside of, of a rising interest rate environment because of that and so that's the operations of the bank. And so every time I look at be it Westpac, CBA, NAB, ANZ, pick any of them, um, and I say, I see the operations as being challenged. So I struggle to find a reason to be there. And then I come and look at the valuation and they're all trading at record valuations as well. I mean, Westpac's on 15 times earnings, which historically is, is right at the top of its range. CBA is, is by far the most expensive, but um, even the other three are still are still expensive as well. And that's probably a nature of where we are in the market right now. But I just I just can't pay 15 times earnings for Westpac. It, it hasn't grown its earnings for years. And I just don't think there's a path for them to do that moving forward. The only reason you would own it is for the yield. But even then, I think you can find better and safer yields out there than the big four, ironically. Um, so I, I, I actually say it's a sell um, unless you are just a tried and true, you know, dividend investor who is after franking credits and, and, and really and stability, I suppose. Got it. Thank you. That's Westpac. Uh, not really exciting. My uh, panelists here today. Let's see if iConnex Healthcare does. IHL, it's for Harley. I had to look it up, admittedly. Luke, it is a cannabinoid and psychedelic compound medicine development company that is undertaking six clinical trial programs. It has a medical advisory board. So looking presumably at treating mental health issues with psychedelics, which is actually a really big thing and uh, is getting a lot of tailwinds behind it. And of course, cannabis as a treatment. Do you know it? Do you like it? Um, I, I was vaguely aware of it, aware of it, but it never looked closely, Nadine. And I must admit, I, I, there was, you know, more to this the, the more I looked, and I came away. It's it's not a stock I would own. I'll say that up front. It is is very much pre-revenue and very early stage in in these clinical trials. Um, but there's a few things to like, and if you're the sort of investor who is willing to, I suppose, take a punt on something like this, um, you know, you could probably do worse than a stock like uh, InConnect. So, you you summed it up quite well there. It's um, you, you know using cannabinoids in there. Um, um, sort of using a shotgun approach and, and, and applying, um, you know, some, some speculative drugs to a wide range of uses from anxiety to sleep apnea, um, you know, concussions, lung inflammation. I jotted down a few of them. Um, and, and, you know, running these clinical trials um, have engaged with the FDA in the US, primarily looking to start over there first and then move to, um, to other geographies after that, which I think makes a lot of sense. It is, you know, obviously the biggest drug market in the world in the US. Um, you know, what probably um, got me most interested was a recent capital raise. So a business like this, you know, the, the cash in the bank is very important. They are pre-revenue. So, you know, um, you need to sort of um, see how much cash they have and what that cash burn is. So they've recently just raised capital. And, and as part of that, their chief medical officer tipped in um, about $8 million of his own money. Um, now, admittedly, he was getting some options at 20 cents when the share price is currently 50. So they're you know, in the money options straight away. But nonetheless, you know, stumping up $8 million. I, I wish I had that to do myself. Um, and it's a, it's a good sign of confidence in, in, in where the business is going. Um, so, yeah, like I said, it's not one I would own. I'll, I'll say that up front. It's just not my style of investing, that more speculation. But I see reasons why, if you were a, a more speculative sort of investor, why you would look at a business like this. So I guess I'll say for the purpose of the program, I'll say a hold. Like if you own the business, that's why you would own it. You, you, you know you're taking a bit of a speculation, but, but an intelligent one, mm -hmm. I suppose. 
um, yeah, so I continue to hold it. I actually, I actually think it looked okay for what it is. Good. All right. Did you um, have to do a bit of research? Or you I, looked I, purely at the numbers? I know you guys are number crunchers. No, look, I, I did. And this is probably one I spent the most amount of time okay. um, looking into because it's a super interesting um, you know, topic. Um, and, in, and in doing that, I realised I'd fallen into the investor trap of you know, being emotional about... Liking a story. Liking a story. And, um, and look, I, I totally agree with, um, with Luke's uh, comment that... It's not something that we would recommend or, 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 or own, really. Um, it, it is a super interesting space. Unfortunately, as well, Australia is pretty backward when it comes to, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, regulation in terms of cannabis and, uh, and uh, psychedelics. Well, there's not too much regulation on psychedelics globally as yet. But look, there's six development programs. Um, there's an addressable market of a billion. Um, there, there's reasons to own it. Um, but... Looking at their track record, I think the last 14 years, you've been diluted 35 times, um, you know, and the company's never really made money. Um, you know, is, next, is this year or next year going to be the year that, that it manages to get, um, it manages to come good? But look, super interesting to have a look into. Um, their research is, you know, is, is gaining momentum overall. Um, I, I think, you know, timeline-wise, you'd be just waiting to see when... There's some volume and momentum come into this mm -hmm. stock as opposed to owning it now, um, because there is a real risk that you're just going to be, you know, they're, they're going to come to shareholders with their hand out, mm -hmm. you know, another couple of times or raise some more capital and dilute you even further. So I, I'd be more looking for, um, you know, for some signs that, uh, that things are um, a little bit more sure. But um, yep, yeah, very interesting, um, very interesting company. All right. Well, we'll keep our eye out on iConnex Healthcare Harley. Um, just remember as well, this is information only and it's not suited to your particular circumstances. Now, let's give the guys a bit of a break. I will review what we've learned so far. And just for a bit of a change on this Friday to make some of you happy out there, I got a buy from both of my guests to start the program. And for Luke, it's XREF, XF1. Look, he uh, would look to make sure that it is hitting the targets that he has in his forecast, his investment thesis. Look out for that quarterly. And if the company is still hitting the mark, he's happy being a long-term holder. So he doesn't think in terms of uh, stop losses or in terms of price targets. That is his investing style. Now, when it comes to... To Mark's buy, he did pretty well yesterday nominating Grange Resources, took a big leg up today on the news of a special DV. He would still hold it though. Uh, look, he had a, um, a buy at around 62 cents, a stop at around 54. He had a target of 74 and a trailing stop of about 10 cents for targets, but um, very happy still buying it now because it does have some fundamentals behind it. And of course, you've got these fully franked um, dividends coming through as well. So looking pretty good. Onto the companies that were nominated by you, Holly, ReadyTech, it is a hold from uh, Luke Winchester at Meriwether Capital. Luke gives the management a tick, one for the watch list, but um, thinks perhaps it's a little bit expensive for where it is right now. Look, Mark says that the valuation is actually justified. They've backed this one for a while. It is a buy for Mark. Hold for Tab Corp from both of my expert guests. Both agree it's Lottery Kino that you would be looking you know, to, to really get the gains from, but uh, on the macro scale, at least only rating about a 5.8. Linus Rare Earths, look, um, optically, Luke says that it looks expensive. It is in a very hot area of the market. He would hold it right now. 
Um, you know, perhaps a little bit expensive. Mark agrees, buy it on a pullback, and he gave you a clue. After its quarterlies, it tends to gap down, and that could be because it's a little bit of the reality of the fundamentals catching up with the overarching, you know, really positive story that's around these rare earths right now. So if you're a short-time investor, he'd actually be trimming now. Uh, if you are looking at the company and you like what it does, he would look to buy it below $8 on a pullback. Westpac, just not exciting for either one of my guests. Uh, Mark's quite positive on Macquarie, but again, it's a bit expensive. You want to buy it on one of those days we see a pullback. Also named an ETF, BNKS. Um, yeah, Luke just can't get excited about Westpac. All right. <laughs> Inconnex Healthcare, it's specky. It's too specky. It's not investable for Mark. It's not making money. Um, Luke says, look, if you're in it, it's because you obviously like the story. He would continue to hold it, but it's pre-revenue, not exactly where he'd be putting his client's money. So take that for what it's worth. All right, let's get to the portfolio. So the one company we had in, ReadyTech, is remaining in. The rule is a company on the day gets a buy from both of our guests. It goes in the portfolio. We haven't had that today, as you know. So let's take a look at how we've been doing this week. Uh, it's up by about 2% over the month, up by, or down, I should say, by close to 2%. Full year to date, up by 8%. But keep in mind, that's the financial year. We've been tracking this portfolio since its inception, July 1st, 2020, and we're up by 45 and we have put in EBOS Group, that was yesterday. Adair's is in there. Magellan Financial Group, wow, that's been a buy on price for many of our guests. Uh, that was pre this week, of course. Genworth Mortgage, Adore Beauty, we've taken out Ingham's, Atomos, Batcore, and Harvey Norman. And you can check that out by going to osbizco.co forward slash portfolio. And thanks again to our partners for this at NapTrade. having an SMSF is hard? Well, think again. Set up your own SMSF completely online with Stake Super and invest your super with freedom. There's no paperwork and Stake does all the admin. You just focus on the investing. Welcome back to the Friday edition of The Call. It's really great to have you here with us. So let's get to number six on the list, which is DUG Technology for Brendan. And Luke, I'm going to start with you because it is, well, I, again, I had to look it up. High performance computing. It's got supercomputers in Perth, London, KL, Houston as well. Uh, what do you know about the business and, and is it attractive to you on this day? Yeah, I know it a little bit, Nadine. It's it's one I've sort of had on my watch list for a while. Um, it only floated, um, you know, maybe a bit over a year ago, and it's been a pretty poor performer, and they've raised capital since. Um, but you know, it's it's an interesting space, a bit buzzwordy, like you know, so as you just outlined, high performance computing. They've got these four supercomputers around the world, and they process large amounts of data for for clients. Um, the the main issue they've had is uh, this business sort of evolved out of oil and gas clients using their high performance computers for like seismology um, uses and things like that. So a heavy reliance on oil and gas, and and that's actually why they're over in Houston as well, very close to the right. fracking um, industry over there. Um, now very lumpy and, and obviously the issues post COVID with oil and, and the and the capex that's come out of that market and, and, and US fracking probably since about twenty eighteen. So 
the business was doing really well up until it floated and then essentially fell off a cliff, which I think market confidence really came out of it at that point that, you know, they cherry picked the time to float and, and there's the chart there. Um, so it's one that I sort of had on my watch list as a, a potential and, and keeping an eye on for, for possibly a turnaround. They're looking to move that high performance computing in some other spaces into, um, you know, aerospace, um, into, I think, drug development, you know, all, all sorts of various things. Um, I think they even dip their toe into crypto a little bit using the, the high performance computing, although they don't um, advertise that one too much, I don't think. Um, so there's, you know, there's things I, I want to like about this business, but unfortunately, I think it's also you've got to you've got to get the timing right on something like this because pivoting away into these other areas where there is a demand for high performance computing, they're looking to run that subscription model, and you know, if if they can execute well, it's one I can see doing doing exceptionally well over the next few years. Mm-hmm. But in the short term, it's going to be really lumpy around that oil and gas and services revenue. They had an announcement. Um, a few weeks ago about they were restructuring that division and stripping about $4 million out of it. Um, that's nice, but it only takes about half of the, the net loss they had last year. So this is a business that still needs a, a lot of growth to come through to, to swing back to being towards profitable. So for me, it's definitely on my watch list. I think there's there's a good business in there somewhere. And if they can accelerate that pivot away from the reliance on oil and gas, you'll see that come through sooner rather than later. Um, but until then, it's just staying on my watch list, Nadine. Um, if you're in it, it's been a tough ride. I, I guess I would say hold uh, because I am sort of interested around these 60 cents levels. It's where I'm mm-hmm. sort of, you know, uh, I only had another look at it actually last week. So around these levels, I am interested. So I'd say hold. But um, I just don't think the timing's right for a okay. buy yet. What do you think, Mark? Um, this is a good example of uh, why stop losses are useful. Um, it's it's done nothing but go down. It was very opportunistic with the float. Um there, it's it's a another a good example of um, a really really clever um, product, but not particularly clever management, or not a, not a particularly super intelligent business. So uh, all their metrics are steadily declining at the moment. Um, it's really it, until it diversifies um, and starts to get involved in other in other areas. But um, the mo- I, I wouldn't be at, I wouldn't be touching it if um, if anything I'd probably be selling it and then waiting to see um, any sort of signs of life. It's uh, so, you know having a cap raise and it, when it's only floated um, not that long ago is obviously that's you know terrible management as well. So at this point in time, I think I'd have to see some some proper structural changes and a, and a proper plan um, for the business before I'd even go anywhere near this. Got it. Thank you. That's DUG Technology for Brendan. Let's get to my state for Vince. It's a financial group. Um, so it was born out of the Tasmanian Perpetual Trustees in my state financial. Also made a purchase of the Queensland-based Rock Building Society. So this is a smaller financial. What do you think of MYS? Well, if we didn't like Westpac, we're probably not going to like this I one. Feeling, uh, yeah. yeah, look, it's, a, it's got a lower macro score. Um, than even Westpac. Um, I nearly fell asleep. What is it? I'm curious. Uh, 2.2 out of 10. Okay, so, so that gives you um, some Yeah, look, I nearly fell asleep researching this one. <laughs> um, it's like the Diet Coke of, um, of, of, the, big, of the big four. Uh, look, it's stable. It, it's growth's barely above inflation. Um, there's there's, there's 2,000 stocks on the ASX. There's plenty of other things to invest in. Look, there's nothing necessarily wrong with the business, um, but... I wouldn't sell it here at the bottom of the range. Um, I think you probably, you know, we, if we get some buoyant conditions, you'll probably see it drift back and drift back around to um, around the five dollar mark, um, back above the two hundred day moving mm-hmm. average. So, 
if you you know if you're in currently invested, I'd probably just hold on for a little bit. You'll probably get a five you know five percent plus uptick, and that, but then I'd be I'd I'd be sort of taking your money and, and looking elsewhere. Look, there's great um, there's great yielding companies out there that that have got growth attached to them as well that are yielding better than this one. Mm-hmm. So. I, I really don't see a huge, huge investment case for it overall. So maybe this one will be quick, Luke. Buy, hold, <laughs> or sell my state. Um, I'd probably say hold, Nadine. I mean, uh, I probably disagree with Mark a little bit. I think it's a little bit better than Westpac. Westpac probably offers you, you know, um, size and stability. These guys are a bit more nimble, which, but that comes with risks. But um, you know, slightly cheaper on about 12 times earnings gives you a bit more growth. Um, they sort of did 5% growth in the first quarter, which you know can add your lives maybe out to 15 to 20 some something like that. But um, you know, this is another example as we sort of said before. Westpac is and, and the other big four are ceding share in, in certain areas to, to guys like this, and so you know they're picking that up, and, and that doesn't come without risks as well. But look, I, I, I'd say a hold if you're in it. Again, I hope you're there for a dividend or something like that because I agree with Mark. It's it's the, the Diet Coke, I think, was the phrase. <laughs> I like that. Um, and I think that's pretty spot on. It's not going to give you, you know, 10 to 20% capital gains every year. You're there for a divvy. So if, if that's why you hold it, keep holding. And I think it's slightly more attractive than Westpac's probably the best compliment I could pay. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well... I think they call it Coke Zero now, by the way, as well. So not even the Diet Coke. Let's get to iCandy Interactive, ICI for Darcy. Uh, it's had done a bit of M&A uh, lately. It's into the mobile gaming space. We know how big gaming is. Mark alluded to it earlier. Can we start with you, Luke, for iCandy Interactive for Darcy? Yeah, well, if we've gone from um, the Diet Coke or the Coke Zero of my, uh, my state, um, what, what have we got here? It's... Um, Cloud Red gaming, Bull? it's NFTs, metaverse. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So, um, look, I must admit, I, I sort of came to this expecting, you know, I opened up the last presentation, saw a lot of buzzwords in the first few mm-hmm. slides and thought, uh, here we go again, you know. Another business that looks okay from a concept or story, but once you got down to the numbers, you'd, you'd see something pretty ugly. But it wasn't too bad. And, 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 and you touched on it there, Nadine. One of the main reasons why is they've made quite a large acquisition, but it seems like a good one. Um, a business called uh, Lemon Sky, um, and it, it really beefed up the financials of, of, of iCandy Interactive. So iCandy is a standalone business. It was only doing about one to two million revenue a year, but um, Lemon Sky was doing about 14 to 15. So, you know, really added revenue to the business, added, added profitability as well. Um, so, you know, some heavy dilution there for shareholders, no doubt. But in, in, I guess the price you've paid for that is, is you've now got a, a legitimate business in a sense, um, certainly a, a profitable one. Um, the other interesting thing I noted was that um, Animoca Brands, um, which has sort of been in the news recently for, um, it was delisted from the ASX and it's now traded on some um, off-market exchanges. And I think I saw it's got a market cap over $2 billion. So anyone who's held onto their delisted shares has done phenomenally well. Um, those guys are big into the metaverse NFT gaming space, and they were a, um, a, a cornerstone uh, placement into the into the raise that that Animoca, uh, sorry, that that iCandy did. So, I thought that's interesting. You know, you got a real strategic investor behind you that's a, a you know a key in that place mm-hmm. where you want to move into. So, you know, it, it looks expensive, about 100 mil market cap, and it, and it might only be doing maybe one or two million dollars profit a year, but growing quickly in a very interesting space. I'm actually not the biggest fan of mobile gaming. I think that's much more capital intensive than what people think. 
Um, you know, you've really got to release a new game every you know month or two, if not quicker, to stay on top of the the trends and how fast people move. So you just don't get that stickiness and that real recurring revenue that you do with um, you know console and PC gaming. But nonetheless, I think it's an interesting space, and um, I probably wouldn't buy it. It's just not my style. But um, definitely, if if you hold it, the, the reason why you hold it is because of that potential, and it looks like they're executing well. So I'd continue to hold it. Thank you. Yeah, look, um, I, th- I actually think this one's a speculative buy um, overall. Um, they've published sort of 343, 150 games, 360 million downloads. Um, look, it's, it's also, I, I basically preface that on the fact that, look, if they come out with the next cool game, there is massive upside for this company. So it, that's, and you, and you never know when that's going to come. This Lemon Sky acquisition, um, was yeah, I absolutely agree with Luke. Was um, they got it pretty cheap? Um, I think it was uh, Playtech um, or Playside Studios as a comparable ASX business. They basically got it got it at nearly half the price for a very comparable business overall. So um, great cornerstone investor. Um, and look, that cap raise is about eleven and a half cents. Uh, Lemon Sky is the biggest in Southeast Asia. They do a lot of work for the the biggest gaming studios in the world. Um, EA, uh, Activision, uh, so they, they, I think they'd have a very good, um, uh, you know, very good streamlined process of getting things out quickly on a, on a large scale. So, look, it's not one that you'd be buying for, um, you know, looking for dividends or, mm-hmm. you know, or slow growth. Um, I think it, for, from a risk reward basis, it'll probably drift back, you know, I think it's around about the 14 cent mark. But look, I, I'd be happy to have a small holding in this um, because I think, your downside with this acquisition, your downside is not a hell of a lot. Um, but if they get one, maybe two games right, the upside's huge. So, yeah, look, I'd, I'd be very happy to have a, have a small portion of a portfolio in that. There you go, Darcy. Specky buy from Macro Capital. Data 3, DTL, is a more traditional, I guess you could say, technology service provider. Does a lot. Lot falls under that remit. This is for Terry. Mark, what do you think of the business? Yeah, absolute opposite end of the scale yeah. to uh, eye candy, but um, look, it's, it's almost a dinosaur in terms of tech companies. It's gone through about some, um, you know three, three or four complete revamps of the company. Um, look, uh, not too many analysts um, cover it, but those that do are pretty fond of it. Um, they've got a low margin model overall, um, but it's all it's over sixty percent of it's reoccurring. Um, so they basically go out there and for large enterprises, they'll, you know, they'll buy your computers and your, mm-hmm. license, your Microsoft licenses, et cetera, get you all set up. Uh, it's just a straight through transaction overall. So they're not holding inventory, et cetera. Um, it's pretty range bound at the moment. Um, it's, management's good. Look, it's super reliable as well. So for say, a, you know, a, a super conservative investor um, or a super investor or something, if you wanted to add some tech to balance up your portfolio, it's probably not a bad one. Um, macro scores about six point four, which is which is a decent rating. So, um, so yeah, look, I'd be I'd be happy to I'd be happy to own it. Um, you probably just probably more of an accumulate though. It's just stock you might just dollar average. Um, but there's yeah, there's certainly nothing wrong with the business overall. Um, I'd be the, my only risk would be. Um, given their margins are so thin and we're, we're potentially coming into a fairly inflationary environment, whether that eats away. Um, and people, and, tech people, yeah. you know, hiring people in this environment. Yeah, um, so. Look, its price is at about $5.61. So you would not be afraid to start accumulating I, at this Yeah, level? look, I, I'd be happy to start accumulating. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, 
it, it, I think it's a, it's a reliable performer and, and it yields. So Good. All right. What do you think, Luke? Any uh, differing thoughts on Data 3? Um, not particularly. I, I actually agree with most of those comments and um, I, I like Data 3 and, and I actually think you could start to, um, to, to nibble away and, and purchase some as well if you're looking to, to, to um, enter the stock. So uh, flesh out a little bit more to, to Mark's point about being a low margin business. It's always been low margin, um, but it's become even more so as they've made that pivot into that um, into that software subscription space. So previously, he was right, you'd sell, you know, several hundred or thousand PCs to a government department or a large corporate, and you would have your office um, license to get sold with it. And that license would have to be renewed every two or three years or whatever. But now selling the Office 365 or the subscription services, the SaaS services, you take a lower upfront margin, but of course, um, that's now um, where you see a majority of their revenue now move towards uh, recurring revenue. They've got that up sixty percent. It's quite it's quite solid. So lower margins up front, um, but but more recurring revenue at the back end, which is quite an attractive business model. And to be fair, the market I think has picked up on on that transition. This is a business that used to trade about ten to fifteen times earnings, um, but the, it now trades about thirty to thirty five. And I think that's the market realizing that. In the near term, earnings will look depressed, but the price you're paying for that is much more long-term certainty over those earnings moving forward um, and, and higher margin too, because each incremental um, resubscription or, or SaaS fee that comes through, you only have to um, you know, onboard that client once or provide the support once. So the, um, the, the, the resubscriptions or the, or the renewals are a much higher margin. So I really like the business. Um, they've got some guidance out in the market with a very wide range of about seven to 28% for the first half. And so I think that's sort of your opportunity at this point in time. Um, I, I think it's a quite conservative management team and they've sort of called out maybe some timing issues around where it could fall into that range. If it's towards the upper end of that range and they can do sort of first half growth, you know, upwards of 20%, I think you'll see the stock do quite well. It has traded sideways for a while. You've probably seen a correction in time rather than in price. Um, but, but you know, I'm, I'm not a technical person like Mark, but often when you see a chart like this, it does trade sideways for a while. It will break out explosively uh, either way. And hopefully for Data3, that's to the upside. So I think it's a buy, but I agree with Mark. I, I don't think you probably buy a full position today. I think you might average into it. Um, and in particular, you might even wait till um, sort of February next year for that half year report uh, before you really um, get your, your full allocation to a stock like this. I'm calling it a buy though, because you're both saying that you can accumulate today. Um, yeah, so with I, that I, caveat, that is today. going into, actually it remains in the portfolio. My apologies, it's already in the portfolio. So you guys are not alone in yeah. your thinking out there. All right, thank you for that. I can't believe it. Uh, we're ticking right along for time. Uh, Clean Space Holdings is the last one on the list. This is for Wes. Hey, Wes out there, if you're listening or watching. Uh, it is in a respirator design and manufacturing. So essentially I'd call it uh, a med tech, med device business. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think of Clean Space Holdings? The ticker code is CSX. I will start by apologizing to Wes um, because I, yeah, I, I do not like this stock in any way, shape or form. Um, they floated at a really opportune time and started COVID um, with the respirators. They've, I think, were downgraded in the first six months, um, which is really, really frightening for, mm -hmm. from an IPO point of view. Um, they've done nothing but really disappoint ever since. And look, if you can't make money out of respirators and masks in the last two years, well, then you've got to have a really, really serious look at your business. Um, It'll be an extraordinarily long road back, even if they do perform. So, I mean, as we, it's buy, hold, sell. I would classify this as run 
Run. Okay. Um, so there, it, um, yeah, you de- it's one of those ones that look. If you bought on IPO, you you probably should have been. You probably should have cut this already. Um, yeah. But look, it's one of those ones. There's so many better opportunities out there at the moment. Um, there is there is probably so much time between now and if this business can turn it around. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's an absolute. Cut and yeah. run is the advice there. Information, I should say. Uh, how about you, Luke? Uh, is this just a, a disaster waiting to happen if you're buying? Um, the stock's been a disaster and, and could continue to be. Even in the latest update, management still sort of said, um, you know, struggled to provide any firm guidance around how they see the market. Um, is it a broken business? I don't know. A bit like Doug, I've got it on my watch list because I think underneath the surface of a very poorly timed, well, fortunately timed IPO for the for the people that cashed out, but for investors, a very poorly timed IPO and then um, the effects of, of COVID lingering on. Um, the, stock's been, the stock's been horrendous. So um, I, I think, you know, these guys do respirators, but it's a, it's a um, high-tech respirator. You know, there's a, a filtration system that sits on the back of somebody's neck and it um, pumps air, um, you know, through to the mouth and then and filters out, um, you know, um, air as they, as they breathe back out. So it's a high-tech solution. The tech looks genuinely interesting and they've won several awards for the design and, and, and got some, some patents around it. So that's why it's on my watch list. I think there's something there. They run a razor razor blades model like a Nanosonics or, or that's probably the best example actually in that med tech space if you sell the device then you're selling you know cartridges or whatever it may be that um is the, but is that the reusable chart was so- absolutely shocking looking i've got to say yeah so so what happened i mean these guys floated post-covid so covid a, a big influx of demand for respirators and, and their products so um it was a tale of two halves fy21 it was 40 mil revenue first half 10 mil revenue second half i mean that sums up COVID for them, a big boom initially as everybody, you know, didn't know what COVID was going to be, stock up on respirators, um, you know, not only stocking up on clean spaces respirators, but just respirators in general. So now you've got a massive overstocking, um, you know, through the hospital systems and, and um, you know, manufacturers around the world. And so these guys have to sort of work through that now. And that's where you're seeing these updates. They still don't quite know what the industry looks like moving forward. But mm-hmm. like I said, I've got it on my watch list because okay. I think underneath there's a business that you want to like. It is medical. It is recurring revenue. It is, you know, high margin. I, I agree with Mark, though. I think, and a bit like Doug, you don't have to be there today. So put mm-hmm. on your watch list. If you're in it, probably keep holding it, to be honest. You've written it down so far. Um, but, but yeah, the timing is definitely not a buy today. Okay, got it. Thank you, guys. Uh, Listen, I'm being told to thank you first, Luke, just to keep things smooth. Luke Winchester, Meriwether Capital. I hope you get some sun this weekend. I hope you have a great one. Thank you for today. Thanks, Nadine. See ya. And Mark Gardner joining us from Macro Capital. Always a pleasure to have you in. Thank you very much. Thanks to have the chat. And I'll just sum this up very quickly. Uh, Number six on the list was DUG, or as Luke was calling it, Doug Technology. It's a hold for him. It's on his watch list. He wants to like it. It's a matter of timing. For Mark, though, it's not a clever business. It's a perfect example why stop losses exist. It's an avoid, or if you're in it, it's a sell. There are other places that you can put your money to hopefully make some money. It's a hold for my state from both of my guests. Not exciting, but in Luke's view, at least a bit better than Westpac's. At least it's a smaller, more nimble operator, and it's cheaper as well. Eye Candy Interactive, it is a specy buy for Mark Gardner from Macro. 
Um, massive upside if it gets another game right and it looks as if it's making the right moves. Um, Luke likes it because it's profitable. It's in mobile gaming, which he says is actually more capital intensive than you might think. And he would just look to get it cheaper. It's a hold if you own it. Data three, it's a buy for both of my guests. It's perhaps an accumulate, so you don't need to go all in right now. And Luke points to that half yearly result might take a leg up if it gets toward the top end of the guidance. But they both like it, so that's staying in the portfolio. In Clean Space Holdings, you just heard them talking about it. It is a, a run away as fast as you can for Mark, but Luke a bit kinder saying it's on his watch list. It's a business that he wants to like. That is it for this edition of The Call. Of course, it's the end of the week here. You can catch up with the episodes all this week via the web um, by web app, or of course, you can listen to the podcast on the go this weekend. That's it for now. If you'd like us to cover a company, you can find us at the call at ausbiz.com.au and check out that portfolio on the bottom of your screen. You've got that address there, thanks to NAB Trade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.